Good evening. Good to see everybody out tonight. Let's all stand up as we get ready to sing, leaning on the everlasting arms. Monday and 
Uh, that's definitely not something you just want to go do, but things are looking good, and he's doing better. So continue to pray for David. Continue to pray for Lynn, Michelle, and their family. Uh, Tommy Knight. Uh, Tommy's been in Baptist for a few days now, and he's doing better. Uh, I didn't talk to Brandon as to how that visit went today uh, very much, but he's doing better, uh, very talkative. Now, that's not unusual for Tommy. <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't really tell us anything, did it? Uh, but, but Tommy's doing better, so pray for Tommy uh, their family. Uh, remember Aunt Bonnie? Uh, she's been in the hospital for a few days now. Um, a lot of her uh, electrolytes and things such as that levels off. She's doing better. Maybe get to go home tomorrow as well, so pray for her. Uh, continue to pray for Danny Rogers' dad. Uh, he's, he's making some improvement. But pray for them and that, that whole situation there. Um, pray for Danny's uh, niece as well. Uh, she's going to be, uh, she's got, uh, needs a kidney transplant basically. So pray, pray for them. Uh, Gary Wheeler, uh, this would be uh, the Shelton's uh, brother-in-law. Uh, he got to come home this week after being in the hospital for a couple of weeks and is uh, on a heart transplant list, I understand. So pray for them. Uh, Lori's here tonight. She had a good, a good report this week uh, from her MRI and her uh, continues to show her tumor shrinking. So we thank God for that and uh, continue to pray. Continue to pray for her. Continue to pray that God would do uh, miraculous things uh, in her life. And um, just, just the whole of the events of Tuesday for them getting there and there was a big shutdown on I-24 and her being able to get in, see the doctor, that's all, all God's stuff, so we're thankful for that. Uh, pray for Debbie Bradley. Uh, as you know, uh, Debbie is in the midst of treatment for her cancer, uh, has a half a dozen treatments or so left, and uh, she, she tried to go back to work this week and just, just, not, just can't do it. And so she's got things to work out uh, there, so pray God would just... Uh, uh, make a way possible and all that and, and take good care of her and you know Debbie she's she's a pretty tough lady and uh, that God just give her grace and would meet their needs and those things only God can do um, pray for brother Glenn Copeland uh, got word today that they uh, believe brother Glenn has cancer and so uh, they don't know all the details of that they're still going to be going to Nashville here uh, in a in a little bit to the doctor that that Sue uh, see so pray for them and uh, that God just meet their needs there uh, we've got several people around and I know brother uh, David Haley said his brother-in-law Rick Walker pastors down at Pilot Oak uh, with COVID you know it, it's obvious it's making a it's making its uh, rounds again so pray for all of our people uh, with that right now and uh, that's that's no small thing so we pray for all of those ask you to continue to pray for Brother TJ and Caitlin as they uh, try to get their house sold, try to get uh, things ready here so they can head our way the 1st of September. And so uh, we need, need the Lord to make some, make some connections there, make some things happen, and, and we believe and know that, he, that he's active and he's at work. Uh, brother Ronnie Roar's uh, younger brother, David, passed away, and that funeral was yesterday. And so we ask you to pray for that, that family, if you will. All right, Saturday night, Travis Cottrell and his people will be here uh, with the Trace Creek Choir. And so Brother Mike and the choir have been working really hard trying to get things together. Um, 
this has not been a small project for them, I know, and uh, for everyone who's, who's really gone the extra mile to make this happen, we appreciate that, but we're looking forward to a great time on Saturday night. Uh, doors will open at 6 o'clock. Don't come at 5.30 and bang on the door and get an attitude. I'll take you out, all right? I'll do it. I'm rested, recuperated, and I'm, I'll take you out. And so doors will open at 6 o'clock, and then the concert will be at 7, at 7. And there, you know, there's, hopefully we're going to have a pile of people here. So just be, be ready for that and, and come in and be accommodating, be good host and hostess it. Speaking of hostess, I love hostess, don't you? Uh, posters, posters are at the Welcome Center. If you need to get those out, um, looking for a great time. All right, Monday night, Monday night, uh, we'll be hosting the Equip Conference for the Kentucky Baptist Convention in our, like in the Jackson Purchase. So we're going to be hosting that. And so uh, we're, we're going to have, uh, there's going to be sessions that, KBC people uh, are leading for children's ministry, deacon ministry, discipleship, evangelism, missions, revitalization, social media, student ministry, Sunday school teachers, women's ministry, worship and music. So if any of those things interest you, uh, we would invite you and love for you to be a part of that. Um, it's going to be people from all over our area coming here to uh, get some equipping in those areas so uh, registration uh, starts at 6 and then it'll be over by 9 that evening so there's some registration forms at the Welcome Center tonight so I'd encourage you uh, if you're like me you need to take care of it while it's on your mind all right don't wait and say well I'll do that tomorrow do it tonight before you leave take two minutes and do that and so you'll be registered, so, and then uh, the, you, I don't think you, you, won't, you won't regret being here. It'll be something that you can take home from that evening. Uh, there's going to be a ladies' fellowship on Tuesday the 17th. On Tuesday the 17th at 6 p.m. in the tea room. And so it's kind of a get to, uh, back to school get together for the ladies, and you can sign up at the Welcome Center or you can uh, get on the. Trace Creek Ladies Ministry Facebook group on that and sign up as well. Uh, this Sunday will be the last Sunday for uh, Kids Camp applications to so get those in. And uh, looking forward to that. That's always a great time. So uh, if you are a parent of a child or you are a volunteer for Kids Camp, remind, reminder that there is a meeting uh, on Sunday from 2 to 5 uh, at the hill in Harden. So if you need some more direction on that, talk to Brother Brandon. He will help you out. And then lastly, uh, the Awana kickoff uh, in registration is going to be Sunday evening the 22nd. So that's in two more, two more Sundays uh, from 4 to 545. And so you can pre-register now at the Trace... Trace Creek Baptist Church Kids Facebook page. Okay, so I think that's about everything that I've got on my list. You may be aware of some things that I'm not. I'm just, you know, we, we've been gone for a few days and a lot uh, transpires and happens and whatnot. So these are some that I'm aware of. 
And uh, let's pray for these and hope that you've made note of some things that you need to take care of as far as your calendar. Let's pray together, okay? Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the faithfulness of your people, God. And Lord, I know that um, they've had a long, hard day, long, hard week. Uh, it's been been pretty hot day and just takes it out of you. So God, I thank you for their faithfulness tonight. And God, I pray that you'd bless uh, and honor our time together. And Lord, that it would be something that edifies us and Lord, just teaches us more about who you've called us to be. And God, as we sing and lift up our hearts, Lord, I pray that it would uh, truly be something that's from, our, from, from us. And Lord, not just something that's surfaced, but something that's from deep within our hearts. And, and God, you're worthy of all those things. And we're going to talk about that even tonight. And Lord, I want to pray for Brother Nathan and kids as they meet together. And God, that you'd get glory through that and you'd guide and direct. And Lord, I pray for uh, some kids that get, they're getting started back in school. And Lord, a lot of different uh, emotions, God, attached with that, and Lord, with, with COVID and, and whatnot, Lord, we're, I ask that you just minister to them, and, and God, encourage them in their walk of faith, and Lord, just the life that you have uh, yet before them. Pray for all about us tonight that are preaching the gospel. God, I ask you to use them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our first song was learning, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. This time we're going to sing Learning to Lean because sometimes as you go through life, you've you got to learn how to lean on those everlasting arms. Let's all stand up. to lean on you. 
If you have your Bibles with you, I'll invite you to turn it to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter number 14 tonight. And we'll be looking at the first nine verses. First nine verses of Mark 14. Doing what you can. Doing what you can. Bible says this. After two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she brake the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For you had the poor with you always, and whensoever you will, you may do them good, but me you have not always. She hath done what she could. She's come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Let's pray together. Father, thank you, Lord, for this time to come with your people. And Father, we definitely enjoy being together tonight, and it's one of the uh, goodnesses of your church, and Lord, uh, just the fellowship and love that we can share. But Lord, most importantly tonight, we, we want you to be here. God, we want and desire your spirit to teach us. And Father, I pray it would be so in the name of Jesus. Amen. Tonight in this text, there's four things uh, that I want us to give our thoughts to tonight. In verse 1 and 2, we see God's activity. God's activity. And then secondly, in verse number 3, we see Mary's sensitivity. Mary's sensitivity. And then in 4 and 5, the disciples' animosity. The disciples' animosity and then lastly, in 6 through 9, the Lord Jesus' objectivity. Those I-T-Y words, they were some boogers, I'll tell you, they were. But we, we got them. The Lord Jesus' objectivity. So, I, I would have to say that this account, this narrative, is one of my favorites in the entire Bible. It, it's just one that... Uh, speaks to my heart. It's one that I have been encouraged by, and I feel like uh, that I have been taught uh, from it. And the Spirit of God has taught me uh, in and through it. Now, chapter number 14, uh, that it is, uh, I guess, another part of, the, of a transition, because chapter 14, that we are now moving into the very thick of things, with the passion of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we see him 
praying in the garden. We see Judas and his betrayal. Uh, we see Peter and his denial. We see Jesus and his arrest. We see all these things that it takes place in chapter number 14. So I don't suppose that there is any chapter in the Gospels that is as action-packed as chapter 14 of the Gospel of Mark. And so I, I hope that, that you key in uh, to this chapter and maybe uh, throughout the coming days that you take a special effort uh, to read through chapter number 14. So in the first two verses, I want us to think about God's activity. So after two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, Not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. Now, I probably uh, have not given as much thought uh, to these two verses as I should, and I'm sure that I still have it uh, as of uh, even preparing for this sermon. But two guys that I read after, J.C. Ryle and R.C. Sproul, who I listened to uh, this morning in the shower, uh, that both, both of those guys, that they brought uh, quite a bit of attention to these two verses. And so, beings that those guys are much smarter and sharper than I am, that I figured it's probably a good idea that I pay some attention to these two verses as well. And so, uh, with this, I want to say that we, we, as you think about skepticism uh, toward the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, how that there are many, there are many who look at uh, the, the death of Jesus Christ. They look at that and they say, well, uh, this was a plan that went wrong. This is a plan that went totally awry, that this was not what Jesus had anticipated. But you see, it was the plan for the, of, the, of the chief priests and the scribes that they would put him to death, but they would do it secretly, and they would not do it during the Passover. They, they had planned not to do it. This is not when they wanted Jesus to be arrested. This is not when they wanted Jesus to die. This was not their plan at all. It was God's plan. It was, there was a plan being executed that was much superior to that of the chief priests and the scribes. Now, the, this text makes it clear in Matthew uh, chapter number 26 that that makes it uh, abundantly clear as well that, that that is not what they wanted. And you can, you know, in chapter 26, verse 4, and they consulted that they might take Jesus by subtility. They wanted it on the DL. They wanted it on the down low. They didn't want this to be a public thing. And then, but, and they said, not on the feast days, lest there be an uproar among the people. 
So they had every intention that it was their plan that they were going to take Jesus, they were going to take him in secret, they were going to take him in a very low-profile sort of way, and that they were going to wait until this week was over, until the, all the, you know, there were thousands and thousands of additional people that were in Jerusalem on this, this Passover week. And so they, they had every intention, it was their plan, they had thought this through, they had planned this out, that they were going to wait until Passover was completely over. But we know that didn't happen, did it? There was another plan that was executed. It was a perfect plan that it was God's plan. It was God's providence. It was God's sovereignty that was clearly at work, that was reaching over, and it was far greater than what any man could possibly do. His betrayal, his arrest, his death, all of it, it took place upon God's divine timetable. And so uh, we, we need to remember that. And so there were people, there were people literally everywhere, in every square, square inch of Jerusalem, there were people. Jesus died when the, that very day that Jesus died, that it was the most crowded day of all. Man, they wanted it in secret, but God said, hey, look at this. I'm going to do it on the most crowded day in the city so everybody will know what's going on. Isn't that just like God? That he takes man's plans and he laughs. And God, that he did a great and wonderful thing there. This would be an end. They thought, well, we'll put an end to Jesus that that just like all the other uh, professed messiahs that had come down through history, that they'll be gone off the stage and their memory will be no more and they'll just secretly and quietly fade off into the sunset. But not with Jesus. More people and in any other time that they saw this man Jesus, they experienced what happened there when the, when the earth became dark and the ground shook beneath them. They experienced something they would never forget. This man became quickly unforgettable. And he died very publicly. And he died very powerfully as well. And so the gospel, the gospel would go forth and his disciples would spread the gospel across and around the known world. Psalm 7610 says, Surely... The wrath of man shall praise thee. Even, even in the midst of men's worst, that God got glory out of it. And so I believe that with just that, that small insight in those uh, two verses, that you and I, that we should gather courage, that we should be, um, we should be built up knowing that whatever that life throws at us no matter the evil plans that men may uh, conspire against us to, to carry out, that we can surrender ourselves into the arms of one in which we can rest knowing that his arms are strong and knowing that his ways are always good and right and he is wise. We can trust God with everything that life throws our way. So in verse 3 now, we see Mary's sensitivity. Her sensitivity. 
And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. Have you met Mary? Do you know? Do you know Mary? So I want to ask you to turn over to Luke chapter 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 10. Give you a little glimpse into Mary and what we know of her. Luke 10, 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered in a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much and saying and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. You remember Mary, don't you? Jesus knew her, and Jesus knew her very well. He knew Martha, and he knew her brother Lazarus. John 11, uh, we'll know that Lazarus, he, is, he died, and uh, his sisters are obviously very upset. They call, they call for Jesus while he's still alive, and Jesus doesn't come, and he dies. And they hear that Jesus is finally on the way, and Martha there in the account that she goes running to Jesus. And I was taken back today when... I read that account freshly, and I saw early on in that story, it says that Mary sat still. Oh boy, he, throughout every occurrence that we see, that, that Martha, she's, she's, you know, she's wild as a, as a bat. But we see that Mary, that she sets in and that she soaks, soaks up. The moment we see that she was the one with the big heart, I guess that you would say that, and, I, and I've said recently and I'll still say, I guess if I'm going to choose between a big head and a big heart, I choose a big heart every time. And Mary, that she was a lady who had a big heart, she had a tender heart. I want you to go back to this scene in Mark chapter 14, that this is a time when Simon the leper is thrown a party, thrown a supper, if you will, for the Lord Jesus Christ. You caught that, didn't you, that Simon the leper, he was no longer a leper, but he had been a leper, right? See, if he was still a leper, there wouldn't be any party going on at his house, and he wouldn't be at the house. He'd be in isolation, he'd be away from everyone else. So the backstory is that there was a time when Simon was a leper, but he encountered Jesus. 
And that Jesus had restored him and restored his health, restored his home, restored everything that he had. And he was ever grateful, forever grateful for what Jesus had done. Now, remember I said in John 11 that Lazarus had died. Remember that story when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Remember that, don't you? And so here at this party, at this reception, at this dinner, we have a man that was once filled with leprous sores and he was away from his family and his friends and Jesus restored him, Jesus healed him and he was together with his family again. And over here we have Lazarus who had died and the Lord Jesus brought him back to be with his family again. Two people who had, who had been the recipients of miracles. Boy, there was a celebration going on. Just as they recounted what Jesus had done for them. I hope that right now, as you sit in that seat, that, that you are going there. You're going there to Bethany. You're going there to that little house. You're going there to that room where these guys are that, that had experienced the miracle working power of Jesus. Can you, can you feel? Can you hear the commotion? Can you hear the celebration? Can you see the scene? Can you hear the laughter? Can you feel the energy of the moment what stories and what all was being talked about and it was it was a grand time it was a, a celebratory time it was wonderful Lazarus he loved Jesus Simon the leper that he loved Jesus we know I mean he was throwing a party for Jesus, obviously, that he loved and he appreciated Jesus. But those two guys aren't the main, <laughs> the main person in this story. The main person in this story is Mary, not Simon or not Lazarus. Now, I don't want to over. Uh, emphasize or make too much of the customs of that day or anything like that but I think it's important that we also take it in that according to custom and and just how they did things that more than likely that when there was a gathering like this that it was probably all men gathered up together during all this time it, you know, like if, if, if today, if we get together, there's going to be couples in this room. That's probably not what it was like then. It was probably all of these men gathered and, and you know, a, a woman in the circle would be a no-no. Be a no-no. It's kind of like uh, a faux pas or whatever that word is. It's something like that. You just wouldn't do it. And so... Picture this going on. These men gathered together, all right, and they're all huddled up and they're talking among themselves. The women would be probably serving and getting things together and, and that sort of thing. And so out of nowhere, in the midst of these men congregated together, when a woman really, really wasn't that welcome into this circle, that she 
does that which is really not that acceptable. And that she comes in and that she sits at his feet. Remember the one who is often found sitting at his feet. The one who sits still when Jesus comes. That's the one I'm talking about. She comes in and that she has a very expensive ointment. A perfume of sorts. Spikenard. That it's in an alabaster box. Now, you know, that's kind of, kind of Greek to us, but I believe most of us know enough to know that, that this is something that's not common, it's not ordinary, that it's uncommon, and that it's expensive, that it's extravagant. One of the, uh, one of the Gospels says that it's a pound. Now, I'm not for sure. I was going to look today. But if you go buy perfume and whatnot today, I don't know, what, what's this, like an ounce or something? She had a pound of it. She had a pound of it. That's a pretty good amount, I would say. This was a big deal. If you read on through, the Bible says it's worth 300 pence. Uh, we know that that's roughly a year's salary for the common, ordinary worker. A year's salary for that. Now, we don't know if Mary was rich. We don't know if she was poor. But the truth is the same. That this is about her showing her extravagant love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And may I remind you, that this is all transpiring before the cross. That she is acting in faith. She is acting in belief of that Jesus truly is who he says that he is. And so this extravagance, this great sacrifice is, is based upon her belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Danina, Mark 14. Mark 14 tonight. She's, she's been tied up in a meeting. I'm giving her an excuse tonight, all right? You see, and then she takes it. says she broke the box and she poured it upon his head. John 12, 3 says that it was also on his feet. And so this isn't a contradiction in terms, but I believe that as we see, uh, the Bible says that Jesus was sitting down and so she, she broke this box and she poured it on his head and just naturally that flowed down and it flowed down even into his feet. And maybe she even purposefully put it on his feet. No, it was tradition, it was custom, it was just good manners that if someone came and they visited your home, uh, then you would refresh them, that you may take a towel and have their feet washed, or you may put a, some oil on them. You know, that old, that old hot, dry climate that they were in, that they would take oil and refresh someone. And maybe, maybe Simon, maybe he did 
uh, did that very thing. I, I don't know. He probably did. But what we see here is that Mary, that she went above and beyond the custom. She went above and beyond the ordinary. She went above and beyond the traditional. That she showed out of her abundance the great love that she had for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that as we look at this text and we see that, you know, they didn't, this wasn't something where you, you screwed the lid, unscrewed the lid, or you took a little pump and pumped this out. You notice it says, and that she break the box. There wasn't any going back. There wasn't any keeping a little bit for later. That she poured the entirety of its contents. You see that this was a, a, a loving abandon. Dr. Jerry Vines, in his uh, commentary on Mark, if you don't know Jerry Vines, he's past president of Southern Baptist Convention, probably one of the greatest preachers that, that we've had in this century, probably. Just a powerful man. But, but he called it, he called her love reckless. Said it was reckless. And it's how Paul, that's how he how Paul describes love. When he is talking about Aquila and Priscilla in, in Romans chapter 12, I believe it was, he said that they had risked their lives. And that word it means to roll the dice. To roll the dice. And that they had been somewhat reckless with their love toward him, that they, they forgot about what it may cost them, that they did it anyway, it didn't matter. They threw caution to the wind. Why? Because of love. Brother Nathan talked about that on Sunday, that love will make you do crazy things. And really, that's what matters is our love for the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're to love Him with all that we are, with our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. Mary had a sensitive heart. And may you and I have a sensitive heart toward the Lord Jesus. Remember what He's done for us. Remember the great love that He displayed for us, that He gave it all for us. Looking four and five, the disciples' animosity. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of, the, of this ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. Well, God calls it worship and the disciples called it waste. How ironic. See, we would expect this sort of reaction from these knuckleheads that he'd been dealing with in 11 and 12, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and, and, and you know, we would expect nothing else from them, but it's not really what we would expect from the disciples. Do you know this same attitude? I believe that we can find it in any church. And we can find it in each and every generation. 
Two or three commentators that I read after this week, <laughs> they used the same description. Narrow-minded fault finders. Narrow-minded fault finders. See, when it comes to devotion and love for Christ, such action and such activity is often frowned upon by the masses of those who claim to know Christ. People look at extravagance toward the Lord Jesus Christ and say, well, why in the world would anybody do that? Why in the world would anybody worship? Why in the world would anybody give? Why in the world would anybody want to sacrifice? It just doesn't make any sense to them. But may I suggest to you that it really doesn't matter if it makes any sense to them at all. Don't, don't we put way too much stock in the voice of the naysayers? When the Lord Jesus has called us, that he has taught us the importance of giving him what he deserves. Oh, we should have given that to the poor. That's what the disciples said. Now, not in this, not in Mark, but and I can't remember if it's Luke or Matthew, but one of them reminds us that it was Judas that was the ringtail leader of this. And the other one just fell right in step behind him. I would encourage you to be careful, the voices that you follow. So, we could give this to the poor. Now, I read it, and I didn't, I didn't remember this before, but it was customary that during the week of Passover that they would give special emphasis to giving to the poor. And so it sounded very spiritual. It sounded very religious for them to say, we ought to be giving this to the poor. And doesn't it still have the ring of religion to it when we say it? Don't blow that money. What are you getting in return for that? This week... You know, we were gone. So I hope you noticed we were gone Sunday. We weren't here. I didn't preach. I don't know if you remembered that or not. This week at Colonial Williamsburg, I learned that at the center of the Colonial Williamsburg project, the real financial backer and organizer of that was a name that you've probably heard before, Rockefeller. Now, you may not run with the rich and famous, but you know that's the rich and famous, right? Money like we would not believe. And I made the statement to Mel, and she's here. If she was listening, she will vouch for me. She may not even heard me. I don't know. But I said... That's money that's put to good use. I thought, man, he, he, he didn't just blow that on himself. I thought, well, he put that to good use. And I still say that, and I believe that. But you know what would be better? To use that money to preserve some old houses that people 
lived in and we no longer even know who they are? Or would that money be best used for the name and the fame of the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, we look at Colonial Williamsburg and we say, man, that is an amazing thing they did. What, a, what great, you know, benevolent people they are. What good use of their money. And if Rockefeller would have used that on something that had to do with Jesus... People would have said, man, what a waste. How extravagant. They should give that money to the poor. Still applies, doesn't it? Well, I believe that that has many applications in our life. It has application in our life personally. That you and I, that we should invest our everything that we are. We should invest everything that we are in wise ways. In ways that bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. That the things that we do for the Lord, they're not a waste. People may not understand it. Things that we do congregationally. You're not going to outgive God. You're not going to do too good for God. You're not, you know, there's nothing, whatever we do as a church, we're not going to uh, make, give God something that He's not worthy of. You know, we're not going to give Him something that costs so much that we, we'll be ashamed of it. No. Because He's worthy. He was worthy then, He's worthy now. And so whether it's our checkbook or whether it's our morning worship on Sundays when we come together, whatever it is, that we are to give extravagantly to God. Whatever it is. Can I put a little exclamation point on this thought just to kind of, kind of make you, it kind of plays with your brain a little bit? We know that Mary, this alabaster box of spikenard, that it was worth 300 pence, that it was worth about a year's wages. That's the value that she put on him. When we read just a little bit further, we're going to know that Judas that he betrayed Jesus for less than half of that. You see that he didn't put much value on who Jesus was. We can be extravagant or we can be like a Judas and not put very much value on who he is. Lastly, in 6 through 9. Jesus' objectivity. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? 
She hath wrought a good work on me, for you have the poor with you always. And whensoever you will, you may do them good, but me you have not always. She hath done what she could. She's come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of as a memorial of her. So, as we read this text, and we read any text, we can put our own spin on it, that we, we look at it through our own angle. But only the Lord Jesus Christ is able to look at a text of Scripture and to completely look at it objectively, to completely see it as it really is. Jesus, that he is in this moment with this lady, was surrounded by those who are scrutinizing what she did, those who are flat out objecting to what she did. And so Jesus, he really cuts it down the middle. And that as we read this, is it just me? Or as you read this, do you see that this Jesus that in the first two verses was sitting, here about verse number 6, I see him standing up. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot happening right here in this moment. That Jesus was no longer sitting. I don't see it. He wasn't sitting now. But I believe that he stood up in defense of this lady and what she did. And he was very, very clear that in what she did, she stirred the heart of Jesus. And that he wanted them to understand. That he didn't want these disciples to leave here not getting the truth of the moment. He said what she had done was a good work. Maybe your translation says noble. Maybe it says beautiful. Whatever. You, you get the idea. What she has done, it was not bad, but it was good. It was not something that was wasteful, but it was something that was appropriate for the moment. He says the poor you have with you always... And whenever you will, you may do them good, but me, you have not always. Now, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> All right. He's not saying that we relinquish our responsibility to the poor. He's, he's, not, he's not saying that whatsoever. That's not it. He only reminds us that, that they're always going to be around. They're going to be around you in proximity. They're always going to be around in time. So we always have an opportunity to minister. And so we should take the opportunity to minister to the poor. But really what he was getting at was this moment. This moment with Jesus was coming one time. This moment with Jesus would not be replicated again. Take advantage of the moment. When we encounter Christ... When we sense, sense his stirring in our soul, that we don't take that for granted, that we take advantage of the moment, that we, like her, be sensitive to the presence of God in our life. Man, if there's anything that, that we need to do as Baptists, is being sensitive to the presence of God, being sensitive when the Spirit of God speaks to our heart. Being, being careful, being, don't, don't have a calloused heart, but being sensitive to the Spirit prompting and prodding us and, and leading us and guiding us in moments and in days of our life. But moments, 
moment by moment, being sensitive, not just sitting here listening to a preacher rattle off some words, but listening to the Spirit of God. Listening to the Spirit of God. What a statement in verse number 8. She's done what she could. I don't suppose that anyone in Scripture has ever been paid a higher compliment, been given more praise than this lady when he said that she has done what she could. Boy, isn't that an awesome statement? No one can outdo that. I don't care how spiritual you are. You can't outdo doing what you can. Now, many of us may say we're doing the best we can. But I would say that few of us really are. But tonight could be a turning point. We could, we could turn over ownership tonight. That tonight we could say, Lord, I'm... I'm, I'm just laying it out there. I'm giving it to you. And you could make this that, that night that we would just give it all. You know, Bruce Gill, old evangelist friend of ours who passed away a few years ago. Bruce Gill used to talk about finishing well. <clears throat> Bruce wanted to finish well. I've heard Dad talk about wanting to finish well. I want to finish well. Brother Mike's getting close to retirement. Brother Mike wants to finish well. And that, that's good. Here's the problem with that. You don't know when you're finishing. Right? That's the only problem with that statement. If we all knew, we'd make plans accordingly. <clears throat> but we don't. We've got today. We've got right now. And so today, right now, finish well. If this was it, have you done what you could? You know, I, I'm glad that I'm not, I'm not responsible for, for you doing what you can. And you, you better be thankful you're not responsible for me doing what I can. But for each and every one of us, finish well, do what you can. What a compliment. Lastly, we're done. Now, I know I've preached way too long, but I told you it's my favorite passage. You should have known it was coming, all right? <clears throat> Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial to her. We spent the last few days looking at memorials. Thomas Jefferson Monticello went to Sherwood Forest, and I'm not talking about the one behind Catfish Corner either. One President John Tyler lived at. These places are 200, 250 years old, and they're, they look it a lot of times. But they're 200 and 250 years of, of a memorial. I don't know, Mel, I don't think they'll make it another 200, 250, do you? But what this lady did that day, 
that it has lasted for 2,000 years. That's quite a memorial, isn't it? You see, there isn't one thing that we do for Jesus that will ever be forgotten. Not one. Book of Malachi, chapter 3, and verse 16. It says, A book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and those that thought upon his name. The Lord has a good memory. And these things that we do in our life that honor and glorify Him, when we give our best, those things will forever be remembered. I want my life. I want my life to be able to tack it on the old tombstone one day. Jeff, when you're making my tombstone, people like Jeff, they live to be a hundred or so. So he'll be probably be doing my tombstone. And say he did what he could, I hope. He did what he could. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for his time and your word tonight. God, I pray you'd bless it. God, that you would use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, David, you pick on anybody to pray tonight? All right. Here's what we're going to do tonight. I preached a long time. I want to ask Brother Don to open us, and Brother Don Goff to open us in prayer, and then uh, Brother uh, Don Embry, just follow him up. And together as these men pray, let's pray along with them. Brother Don, lead us.